0: Chapter Twenty-One of Charlie to the Rescue. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rachel. Charlie to the Rescue by R. M. Ballantyne. Chapter Twenty-One tells of a cruel deed and shows how mysteriously Hunky Ben behaved. When Jake escaped from the ranch of Roaring Bull, he tried the metal of Captain Wilmot's charger to the utmost for well he knew that the pursuit would be instant and vigorous, that his late comrade Charlie Brooke could guide the troops to the cavern in traitor's trap, and that if his companions, who would doubtless ride straight back, were to escape, they must be warned in time. He also knew that the captain's charger was a splendid one. In order to accomplish his purpose, therefore, he would ride it to death. The distance between the ranch and the outlaw's cave was not so great, but that any mustang in the plains could have traversed it in a day, but the cruel man had made up his mind that the captain's charger should do it in a few hours it is not so much distance as pace that kills had any consideration whatever been extended to the noble creature by the ignoble brute who rode it the good horse would have galloped to the head of the trap almost without turning a hair at first he strode out over the rolling prairie with the untiring vigour of a well-made frame and a splendid constitution leaping the little cracks and inequalities of the ground in the exuberance of his strength though there was no need to bound and coursing over the knolls as easily as he countered down the hollows while his flashing eye betokened at once a courageous and a gentle spirit but when the lower slopes of the hills were reached and steepish gradients were met with here and there the horse began to put back first one ear and then the other and sometimes both as if in expectation of the familiar well done or pat on the neck or check of the rein with which the captain had been wont to sanction a slackening of the pace, but no such grace was allowed him. On the contrary, when the first symptom appeared of a desire to produce speed, Jake drove his cruel spears into the charger's glossy side with a wild snort and bound. The horse stretched out again and spurned the ground as if in indignant surprise. Then the breath began to labour slightly, the sweat to darken his rich brown coat and the white foam to fleck his broad chest. Still Jake pressed him on with relentless fury. It could not be expected that a man who cared not for his fellows would have much consideration for his beast. Murder of a deeper dye than that of a horse was seething in the outlaw's brain. This, to him, useless expedition, which had so nearly cost him his life, would be the last that Buck Tom should command. After blowing out his brains, he would warn the others of the impending danger and lead them away to other and more favorable fields of enterprise. At this point the good horse stumbled and almost threw his rider, who with horrible curses plied the spurs and tugged at the bit until blood was mingled with the flying foam. Never, save once, when Captain Wilmot was caught alone in the plains by Cheyenne Indians and had to fly for his life had the good charger been urged to anything like such an effort as he was now called on to make, and then there was no cruelty mingled with the urging, the very tone of his master's voice. As he patted the neck and shook the rein and gently touched him with the spur, must have convinced the intelligent creature that it was a matter of life or death, that there was a stern need be for such haste. Turning at last into the gorge of the trap, the charger gasped and sobbed with distress as he faced the steep ascent and tried with the unabated courage of a willing heart to pull himself together while the unmerciful monster still drove in the spurs and galled his tender mouth but the brave effort was unavailing stumbling over a route that crossed the path the horse plunged forward and fell with a crash sending his rider over his head Jake, alighting on his face and right shoulder lay stunned for a few seconds then he jumped up displaying torn garments and a face covered with blood running to the horse's head he seized the rein and shook it savagely kicking the animal's face with his heavy boots in his anxiety to make it rise but the poor charger was beyond his cruelty by that time for its neck had been broken by the fall oh it was one of those sights which are fitted to make even thoughtless men recognize the need of a saviour for the human race and to reject with something like scorn the doctrine founded on wholly insufficient advice that there was no future of compensation for the lower animals the outlaw did not waste time in vain regrets bestowing a meaningless curse on the dead charger he turned and went up the narrow glen at a smart pace but did not overstrain himself, for he knew well that none of the troop-horses could have kept up with him. He counted on having plenty of time to warn his comrades, and get away without hurry. But he reckoned without his host, being quite ignorant of the powers of Black Polly, and but slightly acquainted with those of her master, Hunky Ben. Indeed, so agile were the movements of Polly, and so thoroughly was the scout acquainted with the by-paths and short-cuts of that region, that he actually passed the fugitive and reached the head of trader's trap before him this he managed by forsaking the roads keeping a straighter line for the outlaw's cave and passing on foot over the shoulder of a hill where a horseman could not go thus he came down on the cavern about half an hour before jake's arrival clambering to the crevice in the cliff against which the cave abutted and sliding down into a hollow on its earthen roof he cautiously removed a small stone from its position and disclosed a hole through which he could both hear and see most of took place inside. Lest any one should wonder at the facility with which the ground lent itself to this manoeuvre, we may as well explain that the bold scout possessed one of those far-reaching minds which are not satisfied without looking into everything, seeing to the bottom of and peering round to the rear of all things as far as possible. He always acted on the principle of making himself acquainted with every road and track and by-path, every stream pond river and spring in the land hence he was well aware of this haunt of outlaws and happening to be near it one day when its owners were absent he had turned aside to make the little arrangement of a peak-pole in the belief that it might possibly turn out to be of advantage in course of time the clump of shrubs and grass on the rugged bank which formed the top of the cave effectually concealed the natural hollow which he had deepened and the overhanging mass of the rugged cliff protected it from rain and dew. What hunky Ben saw on looking through his peephole filled him with surprise and pity, and compelled him to modify his plans. Almost below him, on a brush couch, lay the tall form of Buck Tom, with the unmistakable hue of approaching death upon his countenance. Beside him, holding his head, kneeled the much-wasted figure of leather, the reputed outlaw seated or standing around in solemn silence were six of the outlaws most of whom bore tokens of the recent fight in the form of bandage on head or limb i brought you to this leather god forgive me said the dying man faintly no you didn't ralph replied the other calling him by his old familiar name i brought myself to it don't blame yourself ralph you weren't half so bad as me you'd never have been here but for me come ralph try to cheer up a bit you're not dying it's only faint you are from loss of blood and the long gallop when you've had a sleep and some food you'll feel stronger we'll fetch a doctor soon and he'll get a hold of the bullet dear ralph don't shake your head like that and look so solemn cheer up old boy leather spoke with a sort of desperate fervor but ralph could not cheer up no he said sadly there is no cheer for me i have thrown my life away there's no hope no mercy for me i've been trying to recall the past and what mother used to teach me but it won't come there's only one text in all the bible that comes to be now it is be sure your sin will find you out that's true boys he said turning a look on his comrades whatever else may be false that's true for i know it that's so dear ralph said leather earnestly but it's no less true that just then a noise was heard in the utter passage then hurrying footsteps instinctively every man drew his revolver and faced the door next moment jake entered here one of you a drink i'm fit to ha his eyes fell on the figure of buck and he shrank back for a moment in silent surprise yes jake said the dying man with a glance of pity not unmingled with scorn it has come sooner than you or i expected and it will save you some trouble maybe some regret I have seen through your little game, Jake, and I am glad I have been spared the necessity of thwarting you. He stopped, owing to weakness, and Jake, recovering himself, hastily explained the reason of his sudden appearance. "'Fetch me a rag and some water, boys,' he continued. "'It looks worse than it is, only skin-deep, and we've not a moment to lose. Those who have a mind may follow me. Then that wants to swing may stop.' "'But how about Buck Tom?' asked one who was not quite so depraved as the others what's the use of asking said jake it's all up with him don't you see besides he's safe enough they'd never have the heart to hang a dying man and leather cried another we mustn't quit leather he's game for many a fight yet come leather we'll help you along for they're sure to string you up on the nearest tree. don't trouble yourself about me said leather looking round for he still kneeled beside his old friend i don't intend to escape look to yourselves boys and leave us alone unless you're all tired of life you'll quit here and skip for the woods said jake as turning round he hurriedly left the place the others did not hesitate but followed him at once leaving buck tom and his friend to shift for themselves during all this scene hunky ben had been intently gazing and listening chiefly the latter when the outlaws filed past him he found it extremely difficult to avoid putting a bullet into the flint but he restrained himself because of what yet remained to be done as soon as the outlaws were well out of sight ben arose and prepared for action first of all he tightened his belt then he pulled the hood of his coat well over his head so that it effectually concealed his face and still further to accomplish the end in view he fastened the hood in front with a wooden pin proceeding to the stable he found as he had hoped and expected that the outlaws had left one or two horse-cloths behind in their fight in one of these he enveloped his person in such a way as to render it unrecognizable then he walked straight into the cave and without a word of warning threw his strong arms around shank leather and lifted him off the ground of course leather shattered and struggled at first but as well might a kitten have struggled in the grip of grizzly bear in his worn condition he felt himself to be utterly powerless buck tom made a feeble effort to rise and help him but the mere effort caused him to fall back with a groan of helpless despair swiftly his captor bore leather up the side of the hill he got behind a clump of trees into the heart of which he plunged then set his burden down on his feet at the same time throwing back his hood and flinging away the horse-cloth he stood up and smiled hunky ben or his ghost exclaimed shank forgetting his indignation and his amazement you're right young man though you've only seen me once that i know of but most men that see me once are apt to remember me well hunky said leather when the indignation began to return you may think this very amusing but it's mean of a big strong man like you to take advantage of a fellow that's weak as a child from wounds and fever lend me one of your six-shooters now so as we may stand on somewhat more equal terms and but a truce to boasting i'm sure that you wouldn't keep smiling at me like a cheshire cat if there wasn't something behind this "'You're right, Mr. Leather,' said Ben, becoming at once grave and earnest. "'There is something behind it, aye, and something before it, too. "'So much that I have barely time to tell ye. "'So listen with both ears. "'There's a bunch of men and troops close to the trap even now, "'on their way to visit your cave. "'If they find you, you know what that means?' "'Death,' said Leather quietly. "Ay, death, though you don't deserve it,' said Ben. "'But I do deserve it,' returned Shank in the same quiet voice. "'Well, mayhap you do,' rejoined the Scout coolly. "'But not so far as I know in connection with your present company. Now there's Buck Tom.' "'Ay, what of him?' asked Shank anxiously. "'Well, in the natural course of timings, death is coming to him too, and that'll save him from being strung up. For they're apt to do that sort of thing here away, in loose and free and easy style, that's awkward sometimes. I was within an inch of it myself once, all through a mistake. I'll tell you about that when I've got more time, maybe.' Well, now, I'm keen to save you and Buck Tom if I can, and what I want you to understand is that if you expect me to help you out at a time when you stand considerable and need of help, you'll have to do what I tell ye. And what would you have me do? asked Shank, with a troubled look. Remain here till I come for ye, and when you meet me in company say nothing about having met me before. Can I trust you, Hunky Ben? said Shank, looking at him earnestly. If you can't trust me, what do you propose to do? asked the Scout, with a grin. You're right, Ben. I must trust you, and to say truth from the little I know of you, I believe I've nothing to fear, but my anxiety is for Ralph Buck Tom. I mean, you're sure I suppose that Mr. Brooke will do his best to shield him. ay certain sure, and by the way, don't mention your Christian name just now, whatever it is, nor for some time yet. Good day, and keep quiet till I come. We've wasted over much time already, so saying, the scout left the coppice and flinging open his coat re-entered the cave a very different-looking man from what he was when he left it hunky ben exclaimed buck who had recovered by that time i wish you'd have turned up half an hour since boy you might have saved my poor friend leather from a monster who came here and carried him away bodily ay that's strange now howsoever worse luck might have befell him for the troops are at my heels and you know what would be in store for him if he was here yes indeed i know it ben and what is in store for me too but death will have his laugh at them if they don't look sharp "'No, surely,' said the scout, in a tone of real commiseration, "'you're not so bad as that, are you?' "'Truly I am,' answered Buck, with a pitiful look, shot in the chest. "'But I saw you in the fight, Ben. Did you guide them here?' "'That's what I did. At least I told them which way to go, and came on in advance to warn you in time, so as you might escape. To tell you the plain truth, Ralph Ritson, I've been told all about you by your old friend Mr. Brook, and about Leather, too, who you say has been carried off by a monster?' yes at least by a monstrous big man quite sure of that quite sure and you would know the monster if you saw him again i think i would know his figure but not his face for i did not see it strange remarked the scout with a simple look and you're sartin sure you don't know where leather is now not got the most distant idea that's well now stick to that and there's no fear of leather as to yourself they'll never think of hanging you till you can walk to the gallows so cheer up, Buck Tom. It may be that ye deserve hanging, for all I know, but not just at present. I'm a bit of a surgeon, too, being a sort of jack-of-all-trades, and know how to extract bullets. What between Mr. Brooke and me in time, wonders may be worked, if you're wise enough to keep a tight rein on your tongue." While the scout was speaking, the tramp of cavalry was heard outside, and a few minutes later Captain Wilmot entered the cave, closely followed by Charlie Brooke. End of chapter 21